Welcome to episode 97 of the Never Ending Glory Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Grilly. I'm here with Farky and Sean Z. And uh, Farky, I have live audio, actually, or not live audio, but recorded audio of Sean Z the moment Demarius Thomas caught a touchdown and he got his first win last week. Let's take a listen. That that is right now. Sean you joke, Z that is ain't that far basement. off, man. <laughs> <laughs> Finally getting off of the schneid of uh, there ain't enough zero F- win F-words, season though in that. Trust me, there were some <laughs> F words, and there's also like some contemplation about how I got robbed some of the previous weeks, and there may have been an MF at JHI thrown in there. You're thinking about thinking about some things. Uh, for those who have not been listening uh, all season, first off, how dare you? Second off. Sean Z was uh, at the cellar of the, the, the league from the Ville uh, with zero wins up until last week. Uh, he beat Farky. You know, Farky, how's it feel to, to be the, the first one that Sean beats this season? It feels like absolute horseshit. Um, he's granted still at the cellar. Let's, let's call a spade a spade. But now has a win, and it came against me. And thank goodness I'm playing a team this week that uh, isn't isn't projected for too high of a total. So I could be going. You got this week. I have Rue. Okay. So I could be. I think at my team because my team's dog I, shit. I could be going for win number two this week, and then you can play that soundbite for me next week. But I'm coming off of a, a week <laughs> where my high point total or point score was Antonio Brown with 18 points and one other double-digit score in Phillip Rivers. After that, it's all singles, and it's a train wreck. Yeah. I hear you. Um, you know, Sean, you and I talked about, is this the week that we finally uh, drop Peyton Barber? And, of course, I didn't start him. Instead, I traded for Derrick Henry. Thank God I didn't start him either. But Peyton Barber finally has a 20-point game on my bench. Uh, it wasn't going to matter because I went up against Jameis Winston in our league. Uh, Crow, 15% uh, make love rate. We'll keep it PG here. Um, absolutely dominate. And it, it's funny because I actually traded him Jameis Winston two weeks ago, and Jameis Winston put up a forty spot on me. So and then uh, he dumps him because he doesn't need him anymore. So right because he's got Drew Brees. Yeah, it's struggles worth for me in the league. Um, this this whole this whole week for me was a struggle, and it's mainly because of Saquon Barkley went against him in three leagues. In one league, I went against Saquon, James Conner, and Melvin Gordon. Uh, so even putting up you know one eighty when the average point score is about one fifty. Still got the loss there, but the, the biggest loss for me was in our Dynasty League. Uh, average point scored is about 120. I put up 177. I got the second high point score. The highest point score, of course, was 178, who I was going against. Shout out to Bankers Love Naps, uh, our good friend Mike, who puts together his weekly Super Contest articles. But tough week for me in fantasy. But, uh, Sean, congratulations on, on your uh, winning ways. I'll say. I went 5-1. and one. I had a, a masterful comeback because of Devontae Adams in another league I'd almost somewhat written off for the week. Um, and I'll just leave it at this. I think I speak for all the listeners. I specifically I want to take a line from Memphis Matt that, that Farky knows well. Luke, it couldn't happen to a bigger jerk. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Thank you. And I also want to throw out there, we're getting related to Dynasty League, that the BTC, that 4-2 and two record is a fluke, and we are coming for Nick Vern next week. <laughs> I got Nick Vern this week. Uh, he's We've been dogging each other all week. Funny, projections over at my fantasy league have us at a dead tie. You know, projections are never right, but it's always interesting to see when we come out to a tie. But, um, yeah, no, the, the one thing I did have going for me last week was uh, I had a team where I had Patrick Mahomes, Kareem Hunt, and Tyreek Hill. 
Uh, between the three of them, they put up about uh, about 110, and I came from behind on one of our listeners, Ramon. Um, big win for me there, but it's been a it's been a struggle this week. But hopefully, they'll turn it around with my team, the league from the Ville. You know, Patrick Mahomes, Brandon Cooks, Golden Tate, Mark Ingram, Trey Burton, Chris Godwin. I'm just hoping Leonard Fournette can actually come back. And but until then, I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna scratch my way to the top. Uh, three and three record because I got lucky a few weeks, but. Am I confident in my team? No, going against the Monday Night Man, who's got a solid squad this week. But uh, you know, we will overcome. We will get this done. But gentlemen, you know, other than uh, the good and the bad and the ugly that happened in Week Six of our fantasy teams, you know, Sean, the Brocket ship, the Brocket ship is back. You know, Jerry Burris isn't here to do a victory lap right now to talk about Brock, but you bet against Brock. I bet against Brock. The rest of the world bet against Brock, and he proves us wrong on Sunday. Yeah, we were talking. We, we probably need a music cut for, for Brock. He's getting another start this week. Um, maybe like a, what is it? Was that Baby I'm Back? Um, you know, that that old school 70s song or whatever. But um, he's probably worthy of it. I'm shocked against the Bears defense. Obviously, they got tired late, as I anticipated. How about a little higher by Creed? Ooh, no, I feel like no, he's a big Creed fan. I, Can you take me higher? No, I wouldn't do that. No? Okay. Uh, <laughs> as for Brock, I, I'm just utterly baffled. I can't put into words. I actually liked Miami. I had them picked, and then Tannehill bumped off, and I sent the, what was it, the 1245 message that... I just want the record to state I'm not going to have a chance to update the sheet, but there's no way in hell I'm taking Brock Osweiler against the Bears' defense. And while my fantasy was fantastic this week, uh, I called that one dead wrong. Well, let me let me tell you what my take is on Brock real quick. So you guys know those, those heartwarming, heartfelt stories that they have on ESPN usually on Sunday mornings where you have – the, the slow kid or mentally handicapped, the late kid that's part of a basketball team or the football team, the ball boy, the manager, and he gets in the game and he makes that three that he shoots, that one three that he gets off, and it's everybody storming the field. That's Brock this past week. So it'll never happen again. We know who he is from Denver. He had his sweetheart felt story. That's it for Brock. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, a lot of the, the, there are two long touchdowns that were really uh, more of a nicer run than a catch by the wide or nicer run by the wide receiver than a good throw. Um, but he didn't lose the game. I mean, Brock was solid. Uh, I don't want to say spectacular, but he was solid last week. You know, with Tannehill's injury, it's an AC injury. He's a quarterback, obviously. This could be a multi-week injury. He's not starting Sunday. Brock will be back against the Lions, but. Um, I think if you're the Dolphins, you know you're you're expecting Brock to be the guy for the next two to three weeks, and that's just uh, not a, not a fun roller coaster I want to be on. So good luck with that, Dolphins fans. Um, now, but one guy who played in the same game who had yet another big game, uh, Tariq Cohen. Two weeks in a row now. Obviously, he had to buy last week, but or two weeks ago, but this past week he scored a touchdown yet again. Uh, you know, 121 yards from scrimmage, five catches, and a touchdown in week six. He was being drafted probably around the 6th, 7th round on this summer in drafts. But Farky, is he turning into a player that might be like a league winner for you? Uh, he might be turning into one, but I need to see a couple more weeks of it. I mean, obviously the last two weeks have been an increase in targets and catches, so um, there's no secret there on why it is. But I need to see at least another week or two out of it that they're going to stay consistent with that. So right now I'd say he's probably a safe RB2, but I'm not, you know, throwing him any parties or anything yet. 
Here's the thing. It's no coincidence that the Bears' offense looks a hell of a lot more dynamic when Tariq Cohen is in the game or gets the ball in some capacity every three or four plays. Um, his usage just it gives them a level of, of kind of dynamicness that, that they just don't have with Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard, to me, is the second half back when you've got the lead and you're pounding it. That's what kind of is, makes the, the fourth and one against the Packers game one so kind of silly that they just didn't keep feeding him. Uh, and I mean, they didn't even give it to him on third and one either. But, um, yeah, I, I, Tariq Cohen should be the guy, but I don't trust Nagy yet. And I've got Cohen. It just seems like Cohen's a perfect fit for what Nagy wants to do with that offense. I mean, everybody It goes also back allows to Trubisky to be the most effective because I don't like Trubisky, but with Cohen, it gives them a dynamic that they can hide more of Trubisky's flaws. I was going to say the exact same thing. It almost in a bigger picture, it dumbs down the offense for Trubisky because he's not counted on to make as many reads downfield. And it's what Mahomes has. Like, Mahomes doesn't have something overly complicated. He's just got four guys that run like, or three guys that run like deer, Kelsey, and then Hunt. And then it just makes things wide open, and he doesn't have to to think too much. No, and I I mentioned that two or three weeks ago, the last pod I was on, how simple that offense is because of the playmakers they have, and he just needs to make simple, most of the time, simple zone reads. But, I mean, we'll give him a little credit and say he's got a little different skill set than what Trubisky has in terms of his athletic Yeah, I mean, the Chicago offense last two weeks they've played have been dynamic. And to your point, Sean, Cohen has been the the common denominator there, getting the touches, getting the carries, the the targets, uh, explosive plays. And I think that's what Nagy wants to do. And and I think you're 100% right that that will kind of hide some of Trubisky's inefficiencies. So it'll be interesting to see how that team continues. You know, they get they start they try to get creative with Trey Burton as well. Um, Taylor Gabriel has also been a dynamic player the last two weeks for them, the last two games. I think he's a big reason why. Allen Robinson really hasn't gotten it going all too, too much, but, you know, they'll try to work him in eventually. He touched on last week. He's sneaky putting up solid, like, you know, uh, wide receiver two numbers. Yeah, they're solid, not spectacular. Yeah. He's not getting the, he's not leading the team in targets, and that's a concern. And that that's that's something that I'm kind of questioning a little bit because he is your alpha number one receiver. But when a guy like Taylor Gabriel's getting more targets, it's it's a little bit concerning. Um, taking a look at Robinson's numbers, uh, pulling it up right now. I mean, yeah, last week six targets, five catches, 64 yards, and a touchdown. Two weeks ago before the bye, two catches, 23 yards, one touchdown on four targets against the Bucks, a, a piss poor defensive team. So. I guess I expect more of what he was doing two years ago, three years ago before he tore his ACL and had that breakout season with the Jags. But then again, he is still coming back from that ACL, so it might take you know until midseason before he gets into full form. But um, any other guys, any other uh, topics you want to talk, talk about, Sean Farkey, before we head into Week 7 of the NFL Let's season? Let's get in it. All right. So this week, uh, Green Bay Packers, Oakland Raiders, Pittsburgh Steelers, and Seattle Seahawks all have a bye. So uh, four teams, three pretty good quarterbacks that will be on a bye this week. Uh, I released our waiver wire article on Tuesday. You can see all the waiver wire options out there. I told you guys to pick up Trubisky two weeks ago. If he didn't, he might still be available. Andy Dalton could be available as well. Two good starts this week. But let's dive into some of the teams that are playing Week 7, Thursday night, baby. We have Case Keenum going to the desert to play Josh Rosen. It's Thursday night football. 
God, that game is going to suck. If you're starting Arizona's defense, I suggest you do it. Um, God, that, that what a terrible, terrible game that's going to be. Hopefully, David Johnson can get going. Um, Case Keenum, done with him. But the problem is, is unless you're going to roll with Swag Kelly, the Broncos really don't have a ton to work with. Uh, Sean, what do you got on this game, if anything? Uh, Arizona's missing maybe two offensive linemen. I know Ray is out for Denver. But Miller and Chubb are playing, so that's got, you know, Josh Rosen could Chubb, die. Chubb had a breakout game last yeah. week. Chubb had a, a well, breakout game. I mean, they really four, got after got after the Rams, and really that they had kind of a couple penalties here or there that really kind of screwed them over. Otherwise, that was even closer than the final score to get him. It was almost a coin flip. Uh, so Denver played a hell of a lot better. The Cardinals, you know, obviously I didn't didn't follow that game, but. Um, David Johnson didn't get the ball early, then picked up some some yards, touchdown late. Um, I think you're going to watch this, and you just want these guys to hit their averages. I mean, that's kind of all you're probably asking for if you got some players here. Um, Damaris Thomas got some some stuff late finally, but uh, yeah, Case Keenum is a disaster. It's hard to believe that John Elway just you know thought Case Keenum is going to be the difference maker. He's got no one to blame but himself. Teddy Bridgewater was out there. There's all these guys out here. He should have brought in two guys because um, he knew Paxton Lynch sucked, and he should have known Case Keenum probably sucks too. Well, as far as I think he should have tried to go after Kirk Cousins, but uh, Farky, what do you think? Well, that's strike three for John Elway between Brock, Paxton Lynch, and now uh, and now Case Keenum. Um, on the other hand, uh, you know, it's as far as people that you want to really see bust out, there's one guy. As a David Johnson owner, I'm going to say it again. This is this is his final week for me. There's no hope after this week. Denver's 32nd in the league in rushing points given up. But Sean mentioned they might have a couple offensive linemen out that I wasn't aware of. So that that takes even more hope away from me. So I, I don't know what to do anymore with David Johnson. He's just been grossly underutilized. It's sad. Even those volumes picked up the last couple weeks. Here's the thing. You might be able to get David Johnson out of the backfield, though. With that pass rush, he stays in, he blocks, he, he sheds. And if Rosen hits the checks down, check down like many of us thought Bradford would do and never did, um, you can accumulate you know five, six catches that way. But he just hasn't seemed to show that yet, unfortunately. So well, if you have a hope, this might be the week that you hope for, Farky. My only concern with that is that Rosen seemed to settle in a little bit with Seals-Jones, and so I don't know – whether his targets continue to increase or not. But, yeah, that's a good point. Demiris is, is going up against most likely Patrick Peterson. So um, we'll see what happens with uh, Manuel Sanders on the other side. The one thing I want to say, you know, the one bright spot I think that we can see on the, the Cardinal side of the ball on offense is Christian Kirk. Seven targets, six catches, 77 yards last week. This guy is starting to have a role in that offense. The uh, the week before, three catches, 85 yards, and a touchdown. And then two weeks before that, seven catches for 90 yards. So clearly he's Josh Rosen's number one target. Larry Fitzgerald, you know, father time finally caught up to him. I think between that and injuries, he's really just a shell of what he used to be or what he was last year, which is unfortunate. But uh, Christian Kirk, I think, is a, is a sneaky wide receiver three play uh, because the you know the Broncos defense, the pass rush is great. Secondary is not what he used to be without Akeem Talib and uh, the rest of his you know former former teammates there in Denver. But um, if you if you need to, to start a player this week at wide receiver, say if Doug Ball want to buy, I think Christian Kirk could be a solid option for you. But also too, uh, if you can pick up Denver's defense in uh in, in to, to stream for your defensive squad this week this week, 
I wouldn't be against that move either because I think this is going to be a pretty low-scoring game, and it's going to be one of those very, very unexciting games on Thursday night, unfortunately. Um, speaking of unexciting, <laughs> Tennessee Titans at Chargers. The only thing, I mean, obviously, I think it's going to be a one-sided affair. That's why I say unexciting. But Melvin Gordon has continued to point pound, had three touchdowns last week. Uh, Austin Eckler got involved late against the Browns and had some really good efficient, efficient numbers. Um, you know, I think he ended up getting about 60 yards from scrimmage on about seven, eight touches, which was disappointing for me as an Austin Eckler owner. But, Sean, you know, it's been five weeks since Keenan Allen got a touchdown. You know, are we going to see that finally this week against the Titans? No, I'll say not. I love your size. <laughs> no, I don't think you do. I actually think this is a fairly low scoring. I think Tennessee actually plays a hell of a lot better than they did last week. I think the Chargers may be riding a touch high. Um, that's who they got, right? I mean, yeah. Tennessee, no, I, yeah. I, it, I, I, I don't – I actually – no. I think Melvin Gordon another big game, but um, I'd be very leery of, of a Keenan Allen. I Sooner or later, Mike Williams is going to pop back on the radar, and I think maybe it's this week. I'm with you there. Rue and I own him, own Keenan Allen in the Dynasty League, and even though he hasn't scored a touchdown, he's been he's been great every week for us. I mean, throw a touchdown in there, and he's up there towards the the very upper echelon and scoring for wide receivers this year. But I don't particularly like this game with him or Rivers because Tennessee seems to keep these games so ugly that it's most likely just going to be another heavy dose of Melvin Gordon. To your point. Yeah, and, God, like I said, Derrick Henry needs to go away. He was terrible again last week. Deion Lewis barely got any touches because Derrick Henry continues to be a plotter that falls into the backs of his linemen. He, he sucks. He's terrible. And as I say that, I traded for him in our league. I gave up Jordy Nelson for him. So it's not it, – yeah, I gave up my shit, and I got back young Daniel's shit. So it's really not a huge loss there. But uh, I'm, I, at this point, you know, it's funny. Our, our friend Butler, who's been on the podcast a few times – he can't even give him away in our dynasty league. I mean, nobody wants um, Derrick Henry. He, his value. The funny is thing is, is, we actually right offered now. him a second preseason, and he turned us down. And in hindsight, he should have taken that. Yeah, he definitely should have taken that. But there's a lot of deals that we uh, look at three months later to see what we should have done. But it, yeah, Henry's just been bad. I mean, he's just, and I'm shocked because he's so big. He can he can get up there as top level speed, but you know his first few um, steps, just he's, he's he does not have that burst whatsoever. And, and we're starting to see it because he can't get in space. I mean, and everybody knows what the Titans are going to do when he's lined up in the backfield, and Deion Lewis isn't. So. Um, they stack him in the box and they shut Derrick Henry down. But um, you know, let's let's switch over to uh, a couple more highly potent offenses. I say that with a smirk. Sean Buffalo Bills at Indianapolis Colts. Hashtag I got this. Let's see what you got. Uh, it's DA time. Nathan Peterman, you just Ooh. got benched. Uh, I have okay. So I actually have the Colts and the Broncos. I can't figure out who to start. If it was Peterman, it was a no-brainer. Now with Da, there's a touch of friskiness, but at the same time, he can slay I don't it. know if if Da is going to be even remotely prepared to deal with the shitstorm that is the Buffalo Bills offensive line. So uh, I think the Colts win this one comfortably. I think this as you know, kind of a a twenty-four three thirty-one six type put it shit on cruise control. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I actually think it's a solid game for, for Andrew Luck for him to be in, too, to just to, to kind of get more cohesiveness uh, with some of his offensive weapons. 
and they have to, you know, T.Y. Hilton was back at full practice today, which is good for him. Uh, but but Andrew Luck threw the ball 48 times throughout the first season. But they can't run the ball. The season. So, uh, he, he hit right, some of his right. passes. So I know that, that's like a problem. Those. Right, correct. Now, but Farkey, I mean, Marlon Mack stepped up last week and essentially made Naeem Hines uh, an afterthought, led the team in carries, finished with 89 rushing yards. Do you see moving forward uh, Marlon Mack potentially being a, a RB2 flex option? I wouldn't count on it. Just seeing what we've seen throughout the season so far with the Colts, um, I think the Bills are a kind of a bad matchup for him to at least play off what he's done the last week or so. Um, they don't give up too many yards per carry, and uh, they're definitely going to reward him, I think, for in terms of volume and at least go to him early on to see if they can get him into maybe up to an RB2 mix, but I wouldn't count on it. Um uh, I'm a LaShawn McCoy owner. I like him much better in this game. I'll say this. If he doesn't score a touchdown in this game, I've given up all hope of him ever finding the end zone. But I I think that he'll have he'll probably have a third straight high volume week as well. So uh, Marlon Mack, I, I'm, I would be hesitant on him. Uh, LaShawn McCoy, this is kind of a, a make or break week for me with him as well. I'm hoping you don't have LaShawn McCoy and David Johnson in the same I do not. Okay, good. <laughs> that would be a, a rough go of things. That would be uh, almost as bad as you, Sean. You had, you had LaShawn and who as your second running back? Zeke. He's my number one. Oh, that's right. Never mind. You're good. You're good. All right. All right, next game, Carolina Panthers going to Philly. Uh, Greg Olson played all but one offensive snap last week, which is good. Uh, I think that means he's healthy. He wasn't very effective. I think he had he three catches. He looked awful. Uh, uh, he looked he looked yeah, like a forty year old man. He looked like if I was running routes with the busted ass Achilles. Mm. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch that game all that much, but I think the, the one good thing is he played sixty nine out of seventy snaps, which is which is shocking coming off of that uh, that broken foot. Uh, four catches, forty eight yards on seven targets. You know we've seen the best of Greg Olson, obviously, but Sean, is there any way if you're a Greg Olson? owner that you can start in this week if you especially because you've brought in your backup tight end while he's been out these past few weeks uh from what you oh, saw no but i mean can you start the tight end away? is a disaster guys like he, i mean terrible this week it's two the guys season. three guys when you include Ertz, and then it's just you know pick a name out of a hat i i think you just play olsen just because of the volume and hope he runs into you know five balls from cam and and you know, is able to kind of turn around and fall forward. So this, listen to this, I, I, to your point about it being basically an abortion of a position this year, in a 14-team league, I own Trey Burton, Jared Cook, and Greg Olson. Now, wouldn't you think heading into the season that I would be just high-fiving every week between Here's playing one thing. of those you three? You started Greg Olson when Cook went crazy, and then he, Olson got hurt. You started – No, no, no. I didn't, I this, I, no, no, no. I picked, Greg, I picked Greg Olson up last week. Oh, okay. I didn't start it. But yeah, there's a roadmap though to you getting screwed because you start the wrong guy, unfortunately. Well, none of them. Trey Burton's averages like four receptions a week, or yeah, four catches a week. Jared Cook got lucky early on in the season catching some touchdowns, and now teams are tightening up on him in the red zone. So those two really have done nothing for me outside of a couple games. I'm personally, mm -hmm. regarding this game and Greg Olson, I'm handing the reins over to him. I, I agree with you. He didn't look real athletic, and he wasn't even a you know a version of his former self. But historically, Cam loves him, and I think at least this first or second game back now, he's going to continue to kind of be his outlet and at least 
target the hell out of him, and, and we'll see what happens. I mean, even a slow tight end in the league, he can catch six or seven passes for 75 yards. I'll take that over what I was getting, you know, consistently from Trey Burke and Jared Cook. Right, and the other thing is, too, I mean, they don't have – I mean, they have Devin Funchess, but he's not consistent. He's not great. I think he's just a guy who's there. DJ Moore has not stepped up. Curtis Samuel disappears early and often. Uh, so, to your point, Farkey, if they're not dumping the ball off to Christian McCaffrey, which he had seven receptions last week, um, they're, they're going they're – look, Cam's looking Greg Olson's way. So, But that brings me to my other point, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, we saw heavy usage of him the first few weeks. 22, 30 carry, 30 touches, uh, 22 touches last week, 50, or two weeks ago, 15 touches last week. You know, is he what? What is he an enigma? Honestly, because you know, Fark, you guys have in the dynasty league. I just feel like he should be an every week 20 to 23 point start, but just the last few weeks, he's felt I haven't felt comfortable starting him as an RB one. Am I just crazy, or what are you? What are you no, I love Christian McCaffrey. I, I I wouldn't call you crazy, but I I think he's still the guy, and his his floor is so high just because of the amount of, of volume he gets out of the backfield. In this game in particular, it's another good week um, for this guy we're talking about because I think nine or more receptions in two of the last three games, uh, Philly's given up. So this is this is a perfect spot for him to get pounded again out of the backfield with receptions. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I he he's a legit RB one. My concern and I, what I saw in the Washington game because Washington's really physical up front is he took a beating in that game and his usage I think is is he could really taper off or you could end up having him miss some games late in the year or you know God forbid playoff time you know if you're really counting on him so. I'd be concerned there, uh, particularly if the Panthers don't stay in it record-wise. Um, so this this week is big for a lot of different reasons because, you know, they go down another game, things can get really, really hairy for the Panthers. And it's not like they play in a gimme division where you can pick up a win or two, you know, and almost have a quasi-bye week. Would you guys all, would you guys all agree that – we're all a bit surprised on the number of carries he's received through this. He's this got part more of the carries than I anticipated because yeah. I don't know why the hell they're not using C.J. Anderson um, and and yeah, getting him in certain series to spell McCaffrey so he's sharper late. And I keep coming back to that playoff game against the Saints. He was a monster that fourth quarter, but he had been appropriately spelled in the first and second quarter, and then he exploded. And I think and what's McCaffrey important. go? He, he what's he go like two fifteen if that? Now that we're into the season, these guys start losing weight. Yeah, I mean he he he's thick, no yeah. question. He's compact. You know, he's built like a shit house. But at the same time, like you just he's still a human. Like you can't take that. Well, no, no. I I was saying I think he's a little light to be getting the abuse of the carries that he's getting. As an owner, it concerns me. That. Yeah, yeah. You got to have this guy and his yeah. Sean, we've talked about speed. Week thirteen through seventeen. Right. Yeah, Sean, we talked about that a few times where you know, a few weeks actually here where we're surprised why CJ Anderson hasn't gotten the touches. We, you and I were both high on him going to the season. I drafted him as my RB three, which is a huge reason why I'm having the issues that I am this year in the league from the Ville. But uh, I'm, I'm shocked that they're not using him more. Um, and obviously, he wasn't highly sought after. Uh, in the free agent market, but he was a thousand-yard rusher last year. He's a bowling ball. He can do the early down work. He can catch the ball in the backfield. Just seems like they're really overutilizing Christian McCaffrey. Um, 
But this game, here's this the, the feel I have about this game. As much as I hate Cam Newton, and and though I, I understand he's going to be a QB1, you know this is a game where he's going to go off for four touchdowns. But when there's a game like against the Giants or against some crappy defense, he only puts up 20 points or something. This feels like a 40-point game to me for some reason out of Cam Newton. Sean, do you agree, uh, disagree? What are your thoughts on that? You can score on the Eagles. I'll, I'll give you that. This does have the feel of a game where uh, the Eagles are getting everything right. They're lighting it up. You know, the Giants, look what they did. They get a couple extra days. This has the Eagles going a little bit lazily into this game, and, and Carolina can jump out to a lead, and, and they can find ways to kind of sit on it, particularly when Cam's front running. You know, they, they, they can be really tough to beat. He's doing the dance. He's it. taking the pictures. Oh, yeah, I love I love it, building that brand. Um the quarterback that I would be considering benching for Cam Newton in the league from the bill is Patrick Mahomes. And I'm not going to do that. They're playing the Bengals. It's going to be a lot of points scored. I mentioned that Mahomes pretty much single-handedly brought me back from a big deficit last week. This game has all the makings of just yet another high-scoring affair from the Kansas City Chiefs offense. And surprisingly, the, the Bengals offense has been solved as well. Farkey, what are you looking at in the, uh, the, when the Bengals travel to Kansas City this week? I'm saying if someone has Andy Dalton as their backup and their starters on by, this is the week that he goes QB1 if there's going to be a week. And uh, A.J. Green as well, who's been really consistent this year. I own him in a league. Um, I think he could have a, a huge week. Um, the Chiefs concern me. So if we're talking about you know wide receivers for them and you know Tyreek Hill, uh, even Kareem Hunt out of the backfield again because he caught a lot of passes the other week, uh, that concerns me a little bit only because when they get into those high, high scoring affairs, he does a good job of passing the ball around and finding the open guy, like we mentioned earlier, because of how simple that offense is. It's just a, you know, read, find the open guy, they get it. Um, there's not necessarily one big point pounder. So I threw those stats up on the sheet heading into this game about how many points these teams score in the first quarter, um, that they've, they've both hit at least five games of their total points for the season. So it's definitely going to be a high scoring affair. I would be more concerned with singling out a particular Chiefs wide receiver, um, but would feel really good about starting Andy Dalton. And of course, you got to start AJ Green every week. Sean, another guy that we talked about a few weeks ago was Tyler Boyd. He had two touchdowns last week. Do you think his success of being a you know wide receiver two, a consistent wide receiver two, oh, continues against I the think Chiefs? He's a high end wide receiver two. I think he, him and AJ Green are kind of playing a little bit of back and forth. Um, AJ Green's still getting all the the, the signature coverage, uh, which is benefiting Boyd. Um, so it's a little bit, maybe not the total production because they don't have someone like Rogers throwing to him. Maybe what Jordy and Devontae were maybe two years or, or ago or so. Um, so I'd, I'd it'd be interesting mm-hmm. to see how if Boyd sustains this. If he does, then he's certainly someone that I think you can feel super comfortable with in a dynasty perspective. As AJ Green next year hits twenty nine, um, and then I, at that point, receivers can fall off a cliff. And Green has the mm-hmm. kind of body type, a little Chad Johnson esque, where a, a little step here or there, and you know there there could be issues there. He's not as uh, this brute force that Julio is, for instance. <laughs> I'm not ready to talk about him. Um, but the thing about A.J. Green, though, is if you look at it, remember, you know, week two he had the three touchdowns in the first half. And take that game out of it, and he's really been a, a wide receiver two, 
uh, you know, averaging about 14 to 15 points a game without that week two. And that's my issue with, with A.J. Green is the consistent just ups and downs. And and granted, his floor this year has been has been great. I mean, his worst game so far of the season has been five catches for 58 yards, which is, you know, 10.8 in most, in, in most leagues. But – I just, I just hate, I, you know, Tyler Boyd has been far more consistent week to week in putting up the 18, 20 points a game. Uh, and so I think we're starting to see a changing of the guard at the wide receiver position in Cincinnati. And Boyd was a second-round pick two years ago. Uh, they have a lot of faith in this guy, and, and finally he's ended up, he's finally turned around and, and, and been that second receiver that Cincinnati's desperately needed. And I, like I said, I think we're definitely going to start to see him uh, take over that, that number one role. But, you know, Chiefs offense, awesome, fun to watch. You got Kelsey. Sammy Watkins hurt his hamstring, but uh, I think he hurt his hamstring last week. But um, you know he should be good to go. So that offense is going to continue to be potent. And it was good to see Kareem Hunt get going again last week against the Patriots. Now, game is close to your guys' heart, of course. Both of you guys, Cleveland Browns at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. First off, Farky, you're a Browns fan. You live in Tampa. Will you be attending the game on Sunday? It would take a level six hurricane for me not to attend this game it took t- well, t- me a wedding uh unfortunately otherwise we were making the trip now well i you know what i'll give you a little more credit than that it took a marriage because a wedding necessarily that's wouldn't a, get you out point. of it that's, that's a very good point um but yeah I'll, I'll definitely be at the game we have a couple i have a couple buddies coming down one of them's a good friend of the neg pod the nine niner he's also in our uh, deville league that we mentioned now and again uh, my buddy will he be wearing his fedora is, he may be wearing his fedora at the game my buddy chet um Perfect. i'll be busting out the uh the autograph bernie kozar game jersey uh hitting the tailgate working on some field passes so we'll be all set very nice. So what, what can we expect from this game, both on the Bucks side of the ball and the Brown side of the ball? Well, against this Bucks D, obviously Njoku's a must-start, um, especially with the, the amount of targets he's been getting the last few weeks, ever since Baker's become the starter. Uh, he's third in, the, third in the league in targeted tight ends. I think you got they're going to continue to feed him the ball. I like Baker as a sneaky start here at QB. Uh, just the, the Bucks D is an abortion. They fired their their defensive coordinator this week, uh, so that could either work for or against them. I don't think anything's going to change. It's it's not a big loss, but I don't, they're not they're not plugging anything special in to fit that. Um, I think the the big dynamic here is Evans and uh, Denzel Ward matchup. So obviously Evans is a, a much larger body. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he how he plays against him. I know Antonio Brown ended up getting kind of off against us uh, when he was matched up against him. Uh, Joe Schobert, the uh, the Browns linebacker, tough guy, um, he's going to be out, so I think that will open up some things for OJ Howard. Uh, and then, you know, really, it's it's going to be a matter of if Ward is able to do some things against Evans, what does that do for Deshaun Jackson or Godwin or uh, even Adam Humphreys? It'll be interesting because. As a Deshaun Jackson owner, it just seems like Winston last year and now into this year that he's playing again, he just does not get a rhythm with Deshaun Jackson like uh, Fitz Magic did early on in the season. Yeah, no, that's definitely a huge concern. I mean, you know, remember, Jar- or not Jarvis Landry, uh, Deshaun Jackson was a huge proponent of Ryan Fitzpatrick starting. So I think, you know, he's not dumb. He knows, he knows he's going to get in the ball. Uh, but Deshaun, you know, 
I heavily invested in Jarvis Landry this season. Uh, I thought that once Baker took over, he was going to be a consistent wide receiver one every week. Last week, two catches, 11 yards, and nine targets. Week before, five catches, 69 yards, and 10 targets. What's going on with Jarvis Landry, and can we expect Well, what I'll say is this past week uh, was uh, an outlier. I mean, he had 10 targets. He just he dropped a couple the week before. He's dropped a couple Oakland game. Um, so I, I don't pin it on Baker not looking for him. I think the guy that's been the most disappointing is Callaway. He's just consistently dropping balls that NFL receivers should make uh, catches on. I think the Browns, and you know, we're not going to turn this into a state of the the Browns podcast, but I think they're in a very, very tenuous spot. There was a lot of screaming in the second half from one Jarvis Landry, Todd Haley. Their second down and ten play calls are the worst in the league. They call runs basically almost twice as much as the rest of the league does. Um, advanced scouting picks all that stuff out. The Chargers simply outcoached us and then outworked us um, when it came to, to making plays on the field and when, when things mattered. Um, just a pitiful performance after a modicum of success. And I think you've got to be very concerned that this coaching staff – can start throwing people under the bus because Greg Williams and Hugh Jackson got no problem doing that, and Haley will too. And I also, I also think you could see a blow-up or you could see him come out sharp as all hell and it's 14 nothing Browns to, to start, but can they finish? Um, I like the bounce back simply because of Baker and he those numbers, he wasn't as bad as the numbers presented themselves. He made some legit... And the Bucks defense. The Bucks defense is going to make things. Yeah. I, you know, we could be looking at like a 34-31 type game. So from fantasy purpose, it's play a lot of these guys uh, because it should be up and down. Mm-hmm. I do. I, yeah, I go, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll just, I, got, I got Chris Godwin in the league. Uh, he had a nice touchdown last week, finally bouncing back, which was which is nice to see. Um, so I'll definitely be starting him against uh, against the Monday Night Man League from the Veld. Sean, I got I have one one other comment for you, more of a question, just as the other Browns expert on here. So interesting stat regarding Landry, drops aside or drop whatever, forty two percent of his passes or targets, I'm sorry, from Baker have been deemed uncatchable. What what do you think? Well, I'll say the Chargers. Or what do you think's creating shitty that? routes against the Chargers and quit on stuff? He gets to to places at fourth um, in the end of the second quarter or the fourth and two. He just stopped his route. Like he didn't bother. He wasn't open. He was bracketed, and he didn't kind of go towards the pylon or or kind of a flag route. It, it just and then he starts immediately complaining at Haley, and it it basically continued through the rest of the second half. I mean, I. I where we sat for the Ravens game is where this guy was uh, at this at the Chargers game. And I can tell you, like, we're at the 35-yard line, 15 rows back. You can hear and see basically everything. And he said it was – they could verbally hear the F word coming from Landry, and he was held back at one point, and it never made TV. And that was that was kind of my point was what you were saying about the coaching and, and the issues that we could possibly see coming into this game and how that is spilling onto the field one way or another. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's talk about another team real quick here. Um, let's talk about Landry's old team. We can we can talk about do the state of the Browns after this week, see how that all pans out because I think you know Sean, like you said, it could go either very well or very poorly. And if it goes very poorly, there'll be plenty of content for the Never Ending Glory podcast. But Miami Dolphins. 
We talked about Brock in the opener, shocked the, uh, the Chicago Bears last week. This year, this week they host the Detroit Lions. And, fellas, it's 2018. Something I never thought I'd say in 2018 is Frank Gore is a solid start in Week 7 this week. I'm starting him over Lamar Miller, which it's not like Lamar Miller has blown the world away, but Frank Gore somehow, someway at age 34 has taken over the starting role at running back over Kenyon Drake for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I expect him to have maybe a 100-yard game this week against Detroit, which is one of the worst rush defenses in the league. Uh, I expect them to give him at about 20 touches this week. And I think he's been averaging five yards a carry at age 34. It just, I, I'm just blown away by what he's doing at this stage in his career. You know, that's really the only player I'm excited about on the Dolphins side of the ball. I think Kenny Galladay has been a sneaky, one of the better wide receiver twos this year. And I think he'll continue to do that on Sunday. But, Sean, any thoughts on either the, the Detroit side of the ball or the, or the Dolphins side of the ball? I think Detroit week? off a of bye should be sharper. Kirion Johnson's the guy, I think, that, that emerges at running back and, and then maybe more of the clearly defined role with, with Riddick. Um, I actually look for, for Detroit to be super sharp and actually come out beat Miami. And I don't think that Gore – if you look last year, I don't believe he had a lot of good back-to-back games. I think that shit maybe has sailed a little bit. And I, I like Drake for a bounce back and Gore for an underplay. Okay. Okay, the complete opposite of why I think. I love that. Uh, Farky, what do you think? Really just Tate and Stafford seem to now uh, settle in as, as Tate being his go-to guy. That's I think that's not going to change throughout the remainder of the season. So um, those two are pretty safe. But if you're a Marvin Jones owner, like I am, I know we, I keep mentioning I'm an owner of a lot of these risks. Um, you just keep <laughs> crossing your hands and praying for red zone targets because if those start to go away, he's about useless at this point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, Kenny Galladay's really taken over that role as the, the true wide receiver, too, for that squad. And in a Lions offense, you know, Stafford has shown he can support two to three fantasy options weekly. And we've seen that thus far with Golden Tate and with uh, either Marvin Jones or Kenny Galladay. But if Galladay steps up, then Jones obviously takes a huge hit. Now, one thing I messed up on, I'll go back on, Frank Gore is actually 35 years old. So that impresses me even more that he's doing what he's doing uh, at this stage in his career. Real quick topic I want to talk about, too. Do you yeah, think he's, he's a Hall of Famer, Sean? Is Frank Gore a Hall of Famer? I'll he say has, this. He he's never been, year. like, a top three in any season. But ju- it's a little Curtis Martin. Just the sheer accumulation in this day and age, I think, gives him gives him the nod. Mm. He has one less one That's less thousand-yard season than Curtis Martin. That's incredible. That's, That's incredible. Fair. I mean, I the interesting thing is, if you guys remember correctly, early on in the Frank Gore fantasy days, he was always an injury-prone player when he was with the Niners. You know, for probably the first four or five years of his career, he had that 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 uh, that cross that he, but that scarlet letter that he wore. And now he's—I don't know what he's taking. I don't know if he's going to Germany and taking you know blood transfusions or something like that. But whatever he's doing, he's doing well because he's uh, become basically the Iron Man of the NFL at the running back position. And and I think from longevity, uh, I I think I agree that yes, he's a Hall of Famer. He's one of those. It might not be on the first ballot, but I think second or third ballot, you could definitely see him make it. It also especially depends on the year. I mean, maybe it's a week. You know, if he goes in with a bunch of guys, right. yep. or you know, it, when he does retire, let's say he retires at the end of this year. Well, 
who else is going to retire this year that's going to go in with him? Peterson's probably got another couple years. So he's going to probably get in before Peterson yeah. comes up. Um, you know, last year, we Joe Thomas, okay, in five years, he's going in, day one. Um, but, you know, mm-hmm. some of these leftover guys, there, there's a lot of similarity. So he, he'll get in more than likely, but... Um, I do think it'll be funny because five years from now when he does retire, everybody's going to have revisionist history that he was some great back. And I'm dead serious. I think we can look back yeah. year to year and he's not a top three back. Like I can't even think of a singular season, whether it was San Francisco, certainly uh, those last couple of years, he just was, there were other guys that were better. Look at it. Look. Yeah, he's had I me. Mean, I was just going to say, look at it this way. Jerome Bettis is in the Hall of Fame. Frank Gore is getting in the Hall of Fame. That's a good point. But Bettis did win a Bettis Super Bowl. Bettis won a Super Bowl. He also oh, averaged under four yards a carry for his career. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. You look at Frank Gore's numbers. I mean, they, they are pretty fantastic. So, you know, 2006 was his best year. That was his second year in the league. 1,695 rushing yards, eight touchdowns, 61 catches, 40, uh, 485 yards, and a touchdown. And then from there on, he, he flirted with – 1,100,000, 1,200 yards, had a few seasons where he missed some time. Uh, so he, his numbers are legit, and I, I think that it's – you're right. We're never going to say – this guy was always the best player, but he was always a really, really good running back. And in this day and age, Sean, to your point, that longevity, that production, that, that makes you a Hall of Fame running back. And, and The last the – last, he, he'll be that next guy that they'll do a football life segment on and – like a Rodney Harrison or Brian Dawkins, who was always a great teammate and hardest worker and did everything he was asked and just, you know, did it all right. That's him. Yeah, that's fair. All right, let's move on. Uh, Houston Texans at Jacksonville Jaguars. Like I mentioned, fellas, Lamar Miller, not good. Farky, you know, a couple weeks ago you said he'd have a 100-yard game. He didn't. We're still, you and I, last time you were on the pod, I think he projected he this was going to be the week that Lamar Miller finally breaks out. Has the ship sailed on Lamar Miller? Ship sailed on Lamar Miller. I'm not even going to spend any time on him unless Sean has something to say about him. But I, I was off on him. I, I thought he'd bounce and eventually click, do something. He, he's done nothing. So I, I don't have anything on Lamar Miller. Thank goodness I don't own him, shockingly. The one, the one guy is Deonta Foreman. Should be coming he off the post to this week. Soon. He did uh, not. I think he... So that should tell you some bit of concern yeah. there. When, when your thing is, well, yeah. you know, he's in such a good situation or with Deshaun, but if he's not good, if the player's not good, it's just it never ends up working out. That's all I have with Lamar Miller. He's just not good. That's true. This is a tough game if you got Texans players, Watson, Hopkins, any of those, because I think the Jaguars are going to come fierce in this game. This has a 20-3 to written all over it, and uh, – I think it's not good for fantasy purposes if you're counting on any Texan this week. The only hope, Sean. Do you, Sean? Do you think that you know Deshaun Watson is just really still struggling to come back? No, well, I, I think he's I mean, dinged he's, up. With hasn't other been the dynamic now. player. Chest. Yep. Yep. But even before that, he still didn't look like no, the guy he was. No, I don't think he will. He, it'll do you take think this is just two years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Farky, you you I would just say play. I don't have any must plays on this game other than you have to play D Hop if he's. Yeah, you got to play him. Right. Yeah. I mean, J- Jalen Ramsey, yeah, of course, that's going to be a, a tough task, but he battled uh, Tredavious White last week and had, I think he ended up with like nine catches and had a, a solid scoring week. So outside of him, this game really stinks if your owner's either these two teams' players. 
Yeah, especially uh, Leonard Fournette out again, most likely, with that hamstring. Uh, he's been the thorn in my side all year, so TJ Yeldon gets run again. And then you get Jamal Charles, who's backing him up, which is, you know, if you're starting Jamal Charles, you're, you're doing it wrong. But uh, moving on, Minnesota Vikings at New York Jets. Sean, Adam Thielen, is he the greatest he's wide receiver? the greatest wide receiver, but holy hell, this guy's a monster. <laughs> um, obviously, a, a, anybody that took him in the top 20, you're reaping the benefits. And, you know, if you had any hesitation and you were outside or at the back end of the, in the tw- uh, teens, um, you're either glad you took him or if you're not, you're kicking yourself because you didn't because he's a monster. Gurley, I know how much you yeah, love him. Six, six I know, games. I know. Six straight games, 100 yards I, more. We battled back and forth between him and Diggs. And I, granted, part of, part of it was just to argue with you, but I'm a Diggs owner. Love Diggs. <laughs> He's been solid for me. But yeah. Thielen's definitely been the guy to have, and I even did a little digging for you just to tell you how good he's been. He's the first receiver to have that many straight 100-yard games since Charlie Harrigan in 1961, so there you go. I did some work for you. Thanks, pal. Thanks, pal. Yeah, six straight 100-yard games. Uh, The guy's turned into an absolute must-start every week. He's turned into one of the better receivers in the league. Uh, it's pretty amazing considering his story of being a walk-on and undrafted free agent. Uh, just, just a good story and a, and a great player. And, and, and Farky, you know, real quick, I don't think there's a ton of talk about this game. Dalvin Cook did practice fully, uh, so that probably means he's going to get the start this week. Though I wouldn't be surprised if he's on a pitch count and Latavius Murray has a role. So I have a really hard time starting Dalvin Cook. I have a really hard time starting Latavius Murray. But you mentioned Dalvin, uh, Stephon Diggs. He's been hit or miss week to week. Is he just a guy where you got to roll with him and expect? All right, he's going to have a floor of two catches for 20 yards, but his ceiling of eight catches for 120 yards and two touchdowns are, are enough to entice me that he's a must-start every single week. Yeah, he's a must-start every single week. Unfortunately, I have him with um, with the Antonio Brown, so I haven't been forced to utilize him as a, as a wide receiver one. Now, it really all comes down to how how teams are going to defend these two, and I'm not, I'm not going to take anything away from Thielen, but Diggs does draw – uh, you know, some of the more athletic assignments. So that, that definitely helps. And it frees one or the other up week to week. So he's definitely a must start. I'm throwing a Hail Mary this week because of some buys that I have in one of my leagues. And I'm, I'm starting Jermaine Kirsch. So unfortunately, Sean, I'm going to have to root for, for Darnold this week. Yikes. Yikes. No, I mean, I, I actually like Jermaine Kirsch as a start for sure. Just rooting for Darnold is hard. Jermaine Kirsch is one of my top uh, waiver wire pickups because – of Quincy Nunez's ankle injury, and then Kurt responded with nine catches for, I believe, about 90 yards on 10 targets. He's one of those guys where he's a, he's a solid intermediate route runner. He's never going to win you a, w- a week, but he's if he's your wide receiver three, you're, you're in a great in great shape. Um, you know, but of course, with him being Jermaine Curse, not being an uber talented player, unfortunately, he can have those goose egg games that can really really frustrate you. So, but I do like Jermaine Curse. Probably not this week because they're playing Minnesota, but I think he has a pretty good matchup next week. Uh, I mentioned his matchup in the waiver wire article, um, so go give that a read over at negpodcast.com. Uh, next game, we have my Patriots heading to Chicago. I think this is a uh, if Khalil Mack is out which he's got the foot injury right now. This could be huge, obviously, for the Patriots' offense. They're just going to roll over the Bears. But if Maxson, he's the type of player that is going to disrupt Brady and it's going to be a challenge for him to uh, to be. He'll still be effective, but he'll, he'll definitely uh, make Brady very uncomfortable. Uh, Sean, Josh Gordon scored a touchdown last week, getting more and more involved in the Patriots' offense. Are you finally a believer in in your your old flame here, Josh Gordon, finally being a, a legitimate starting option in uh, fantasy football week to week? 
yeah, he's probably a starter, but I'm not a believer in him. I, I'll, I'll never believe him because he's one trip out and a drug addict. Yeah, I mean, he just he's one trip out and doing something dumb, and you've wasted all the investment you put in him. He's not dem- He's lost the benefit of the doubt. Is the point? Uh, what I was interested with is Edelman okay, popped up fair. on the injury with the heel today. Um, it, you know, does he maybe rest if that happens? I know Hogan's dinged up. You know, they're they're kind of dealing with a little bit of wide receiver. You don't know if that's just maintenance or if um, you know. There's the Pats are always good for a, a sneaky deactivated uh, before a game, and this feels yes. like a tailor made spot for them after the high of of the the Sunday night win. And then, kind of what the schedule looks like ahead, which um, you know can get a little dicey mm-hmm. for him on the road here. Sure, Farky, you traded Rob Gronkowski, the Monday Night Man. You defended that trade, and and by all means, I support you in that trade. You look like you're the smart guy here because Gronk really has hasn't done anything te one worthy since week one. It wasn't until late in the game where they finally sealed it on a 40-yard play that he finally got chunk yardage. He had three catches last week for, I believe, about 96 yards. Good, not great production. Do you think that this is finally the week maybe that the Patriots offense figures it out and gets Gronk involved as their number one target? In the we'll game? get to Jordan Reed, trust me, because I've got some thoughts on him. <laughs> but uh, I think he is, especially with what Sean mentioned to the, uh, the Edelman injury and, and how that may affect their game plan. But I disagree with the thought that his inconsistency or lack of production has as much to do with what the Pats are doing, getting the running backs involved and being able to do some creative things with those guys in the emergence of uh, Sonny Michelle. Uh, I think it has a lot more to do with the insane amount of double teams he gets because I talked to Mark, the, mon- the Monday night man earlier today, and we, this just happened to come up and, he does. He draws so much attention that it just frees everyone up. So it's not taking anything away from him, and I'm not taking anything away from the Pats. They have a ton of weapons that they can counter with, but it, it has a lot more to do with the fact he just draws so much attention. I'll say this. When they need a drive, that fourth quarter, those two different drives, like they dialed up the Gronk playbook, and they always have that. It was like what they did back when they were on the road at Denver – what they did, you know, Seattle, and then and then even the Super Bowl. Like, they just have a package with him. They don't play it all the time, and they really can't. But holy hell, like, he gets two, three catches in just like a bunch. And you're just like, why don't they do this all the time? And Because it, it's so easy. Right. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, if you also took into consideration the amount of yardage that he draws on penalties as well for holding offensive or defensive pass interference, you know, how many times does Brady go to him and he's just getting mauled and can't get to the ball? So, so so there's now this push for first downs for players that would mitigate that a little bit or or benefit, um, you know, in the case of Gronk, where you basically get a point for a first down on – a non-catcher, mm-hmm. non-yardage boost. Um, you know, I, I'm starting to like hear and read that from from different kind of fantasy outlets. There, there's some steam there to it. It's just some of these systems, scoring wise, aren't set up yet to really adequately tra- track it. Yeah, I think next few years uh, that that'll probably become not a standard, but that'll become uh, seen more often for sure. But on the other side of the ball, you know, we mentioned the Chicago Bears. Uh, that offense is playing well. 
I think one thing they really need to do in order to get at the Patriots is get Tariq Cohen more involved. The Patriots have a really slow linebacking core. They cannot defend the running backs out of the backfield. Look at Kareem Hunt did last week. Uh, the Patriots' biggest issue is defending tight ends and, and um, running backs out of the backfield. So I like Tariq Cohen to have a big week this week. I think he flirts with RB1 numbers. Um, Allen Robinson, I think, might struggle against against Stephon Gilmore, but you never know the Pats defense. They always seem to find a way to to let those allow those receivers to uh, to get in the end zone or, or score when, when you don't expect them to. Uh, but moving on, we have the New Orleans Saints at Baltimore Ravens. Sean, we talked about Ingram's return last week from uh, from suspension. I asked the question, are you concerned with what he's done and how does that impact Alvin Kamara moving forward? You know, now they've had the bye. Do you still think that Alvin Kamara, there is, do you still, are you still concerned somewhat with Alvin Kamara losing, you know, significant uh, I mean, he's going to lose touches naturally, but no, I'm not as concerned. I actually feel like Peyton kind of circled back um, last week in kind of some conversations, press, pressers, where he kind of admitted that he was, he'll have to kind of, you know, get reacclimated a little bit, little bit, but Ingram was kind of so hot, and they were getting chunks that it was kind of they wanted to leave the same personnel on the field and not sub out and give the opportunity for for the defense then to sub. So some of that was circumstances within that particular game and in the moment there. So I wouldn't be terribly concerned with it. I, I think if you're a Kamara owner, you're just fine. Um, you're probably you know four and two, five and one, um, and I think you're 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 living comfortably in that regard. Farky, we circle back to your favorite topic to talk about, Alex Collins versus Buck Allen. Have you given up on Alex Collins yet? Have you? Do you still hate Buck Allen? Where are you at in that? Uh, that yeah, not, I don't have too much to offer on that other than I do continue to hate Buck Allen. I, even after Alex Collins had that big week a couple weeks ago, he John Harbaugh still comes out of that game saying how they still have to get Buck Allen more involved. So I'm, <laughs> I have no thought that's rational regarding those two. So I'm going to, I have to still play Alex Collins with the situation I'm in, but uh, I, I don't see things getting any better. No. I want to pull you two. Uh, I am starting Michael Crabtree this week against the Saints over Demarius Thomas against the Cardinals on Thursday night. Good, bad, great move. What do you guys think? I like, yeah, it. I'd do it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Demarius, he's been saved by touchdowns the past few weeks and, I guess the Thursday night just kind of scares me a little bit. So uh, I'm rolling with Crabtree this week. He had a touchdown last week. I think got you it going. see a shootout uh, here Ravens more so than you would see for Thursday like night. So I think that's all the more reason to kind of fall in line with that. And I, I would yeah, also say that Willie Sneed's a possibility for a, a floor-based option for anyone that's thin at wide receiver three or flex. Sure thing. Dallas Cowboys at Washington Redskins. Barkey, the mystery of Jordan Reed continues. So you guys give me some feedback because this is another thing with Alex Collins, Buck Allen situation. I, I am clueless on. He's been, when, when healthy, and he's healthy right now, he's been a top five tight end his entire career. They're not even targeting. Why is Vernon Davis getting all these snaps? Tell me. Tell me what I'm missing here. My message is simple. Great, you can, I've had Jordan Reed two years ago. I ran him back a little bit last year. Um, and then dumped out of him as soon as possible. He is – I hate him as a fantasy player. You don't know if he's going to play. But he's getting nothing, Sean. He's, he's not getting anything. He does Nothing. He, he looks the part. He'll have a play where he I, 
I don't know what it is. You just can't trust him. I'd I'd take Kyle Rudolph or or just you know a steady Eddie four catch a, a week guy maybe gets a touchdown. Like he just he'll never be on one of my teams. It's just utterly useless. And and I did not I did not say that I took him because I thought he was going to be more productive than Gronk. I, I definitely did you not believe you'd that. Get I did it because I had to have Carlos Hyde. You're not getting 75. exactly. And, and Carlos Hyde has served the purpose I needed, so I'd probably still do it again. But I, I truly believed he would have at least some 14, 15 point games. Yeah, I wonder if you know I haven't watched a ton of Jordan Reed because obviously he hasn't flashed at all this year. I wonder if these lower body injuries have finally started to take their toll on him, and maybe he just isn't. I, and what I haven't he looked used at the snaps. He's not on the field though. This. I didn't feel like he was in the. He's not on I the field. Feel like he was in the game a lot. No. So they so there you go. Maybe right now Vernon Davis, even at age what 33, 34, maybe he's just a better option right now at tight end. And that's that tells you a lot about where Jordan Reed has at is in his career. I mean, the guy's been banged up ever since day one and he's got concussion issues. I don't think that'll affect him physically, but you know, maybe he, he just isn't the guy he used to be. And uh I think it's starting to show. And and let's not forget, boys, he got paid too. The guy got paid and we've seen that happen a lot where they cash that check, and they're never the same player because they're never working. They're never there at 4 a.m. You know, getting in the weight room. They're never the same guy they used to be. So that's just my thought on it. Again, I've never really uh, keyed in on Jordan Reed really whatsoever because he just has never been on my draft board because I don't trust him. So um, I wish I had more for you there. But, uh, yeah, Vernon Davis, another ageless wonder. I think from the same draft or maybe the year after, Frank Gore. But, uh Los Angeles Rams travel a couple hours to San Francisco to face the 49ers. Um, Cooper Cup out with the MCL strain. Looked like he was going to be done for the season when he got carted off, but he came back to, to return to that game last week. Ended up, uh, did not look good whatsoever. So, and, and clearly he was hurt because he's missing this week. Uh, Josh Reynolds, you know, had some, uh, some run last week or last season. He could be an option, but I expect to see Brandon Cooks take a step forward as the, the Rams passing game will will focus on both him and Robert Woods. Obviously, Todd Gurley's a stud. The guy's awesome. He's a number one pick for the next five years in fantasy. Um, but the other side of the ball, Farkey, former Brown, was it Rasheem Mostert? Where did he come from? <laughs> uh, who that's knows? Cow, I don't know. Sean would know more about him. <laughs> That's just, I mean, he was he was cut by the Browns, and uh, Alfred Morris seemed to be like the guy for early down work where, where Matt Breida took over. Uh, last week, Alfred Morris got one snap, zero touches. Rasheem Morstart is now the, looks like the, the guy, but then again, Shanahan comes out and says that Alfred Morris still has a role for this team. So I think outside Breida, uh, I'm probably staying away from the running game in, in San Francisco. However, Fark, your guy Marquise Goodwin, two touchdowns last week, broke out. You know, if healthy, do you think he is a wide receiver two, wide receiver three option with C.J. Beathard at, at quarterback? Uh, if you're playing at the bottom of the league, I don't trust it now with Beathard back there. So, yeah, good good week for him. He was sitting on my bench. I think I dropped him in a league because he's been useless to me. So, yeah, if you're playing him at your wide receiver two or three, go to the bar instead of worrying about your fantasy game that week. <laughs> Uh, Sean, any thoughts on the um, Niners or the Rams? No, I mean, I, you play the, the the handful of guys. I mean, Kittle's probably a legit uh, tight end one. With the 49ers, it's, you're, 
at the hands of a Shanahan at running back, which that's not a favorable position to be in, whether it was his dad or now um, Kyle. The Rams, you're just you're playing those guys and riding those horses. And uh, defense, though, I will say the Rams have shown a level of vulnerability that I don't think many people expected. So I, I do expect San Francisco to be able to kind of put up some points. Um, but, yeah, I think, I mean, you're playing those guys. It's pretty, you know, cut, cut and dry, straightforward matchup here. Yeah, it, it must be pretty nice to have three legitimate wide receivers like they do so when one goes down. <laughs> um, speaking of Kyle Shanahan, his former team, the Atlanta Falcons, they will be hosting the New York Giants on Monday Night Football. We'll keep the count going. Julio Jones is on pace for 117 catches and 1,885 yards and zero touchdowns as he continues to just rack up the yardage, but they refuse to give him the ball in the red zone. But that's not their biggest issue in Atlanta. Right now their issue is Calvin Ridley's injury and Devonta Freeman's injury. Running back Devonta Freeman out on the IR, undergoing groin surgery. Uh, Calvin Ridley has what looks like an ankle sprain. I think he might play this week, but he will not be 100%. Going back to the running back, though, Sean, Ito Smith uh, got 13 touches last week. The yardage wasn't good. I think he got 21 total yards, but he scored a touchdown. Do you expect him to be a no, solid people flex need option to pump for, the brakes. for owners moving okay. forward? That was a little bit of circumstance at the time. Tevin Coleman had had a lot of burn. Um, relax. Julio's going to put up numbers this week. I think Hooper's a, a nice sneaky play. I love the Falcons players. And I like, you know, a Shepard. I think Beckham has a, has a big game. Atlanta's going to struggle to get pressure on Manning, so he might actually have a decent enough game. I, I think for as much as this game looks like it sucks, that it will be an entertaining Monday night game as far as up and down and some points scored. As long as we get to hear Jason Witten, um, you know, call yeah, I won't be bug, bug the whole time and test the test the whole time. That's fine. I will say, uh, part of my take podcast, they have a <laughs> great nickname for the Booger Mobile, the Snot Rocket. I thought that was pretty hilarious, his little sideline cart there. Uh, I like that. But, uh, you know, Eli Manning could not throw downfield last season or, or last week or the whole season in general. And I think that's been a big reason why Saquon Barkley has racked up all the catches, obviously, the dump-off option. And that's also why Odell Beckham can't get going. Uh, Sean, do you think that Eli is just toast like his brother was later in the last season of his career? Or is it just been the I, line I that think won't both. allow him I to think get he's the ball toast. I think his eye level is a problem, a major issue. Uh, I think even when he throws downfield, he cocks his head, he turns to the side. Um, I think he's skittish, and his line's atrocious, and it's only going to get worse as the season goes along. So I think both those things are true, and Odell knows it. There's not a damn thing he can do about it except cause an absolute shit fit this year so that they don't go in next year with (laughs) remotely the same plan they went into this year and I think that's a lot of what you'll see grandstanding of what he's already done and what he's going to do for the rest of the season his antics are going to be so bad that I actually think he's going to get suspended for a game by the team <laughs> do do one thing do one thing this week and it, maybe you already have but we've, we've all probably laughed over the course of Eli's career with how jittery he can be and kind of goofy uh, in the pocket but it's on another level now I watched him last week Every, almost every play, if if he has a semblance of pressure in the backfield, he is all over Peyton, the place. Peyton his did body the same language, his thing movement. his last season, 
like the same thing, and so, they were so talented that it kind of got around it. But he was the same. Yeah, I agree with you. He was a disaster, and Eli is right on path with him. Only what four or five years younger. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, the the Manning era is going to come to a close here, and I couldn't be happier um, as a, as a Patriots fan. So. All right, gentlemen. Well, we don't have any user questions uh, this week because we got to get rolling because you boys got a college football podcast to record tonight. Uh, you can follow them at NEGPodCFB on Twitter, and we'll be sure to release all of those episodes as they come out. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Glory Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, the Never Ending Glory Podcast. Search for us on SoundCloud. You can send us emails at www.negpodcast.com. And of course, we're happy to start talk uh, starter sits, trade advice. We have plenty of people hitting us hitting us up hitting us up in our DMs uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Again, on Instagram, you can find us at Glory Podcast. And please check out our website www.negpodcast.com. This week, I released our waiver wire article and. Probably Thursday or Friday, I will be releasing the uh, play and fade article for who you should start, who you should sit coming up this week. So feel free to, again, to reach out to us, any questions you guys might have. In the meantime, Sean Farkey, you guys have anything to say to the people no, before we let them no go? No matter what, not no Josh Allen. this week, another no W. Matter what, not Josh Allen. All right. All right, gentlemen. Well, you guys enjoy the game. Good luck to you both in fantasy Later. this week, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Later.